So meditation, like we were just talking, people have like monkey mind. In India, they would call it monkey mind. And what they would do is they would say, well, the breath is like a pole, yes? And you put the monkey mind on the pole, and then the monkey mind starts mimicking the movement or the rhythm of the breath, and it, it sort of produces a sense of peace. Yeah? The agitation of the mind goes down. It sounds beautiful to do, and a lot of people get value out of it. But then, in that situation, the, uh, the movement of selfing cl- would claim that, yes? So let's say there's an activity of meditating quite a lot. Underneath that, while that's going on, the mind the, might will be making, or usually is making an assumption that it's the meditator. Okay? That it's the one that's doing the meditation. And it becomes identified with that act. And so the act that seems to produce a lot of good, when it's claimed by the selfing, you know, that mental process, it will be used to bind you to the idea of being a self. Now you'll just be a meditating self. Yes? And that's sort of the trick in a way. A lot of people inter- enter... They, they get introduced and they enter some practices, some really good practices, and a lot of skillful means are available. And yet, there's something that usually goes unnoticed, and that's the selfing. How the selfing claims whatever's being done, and it claims it as you're the doer. So if I do a certain act, let's say in, in recovery, they would say that you'll do, sometimes you'll be virtuous and kind and generous, but isn't that self-will? the same way as when you're vindictive and bad, yes? The whole point is, it doesn't, it's not so much, the bondage isn't so much what you're doing and not doing, though you need to, to get a certain equilibrium. In other words, your conditioning, there's certain lines, it doesn't do well if it crosses, yeah? If you go over a certain line, all hell breaks loose. It's sort of like everyone here, we can be sitting in a certain piece, and that big dog in our life is asleep. Our big dog would be called alcoholism, let's say. Yours may be something else, who knows. But most people have a big dog in their head. And that big dog demands a lot of attention when it's awake. Yeah? You have to w- walk it, you've got to feed it a lot, you've got to constantly watch it, you've got to clean up after it, which is an amazing job. And so some of us live with that dog in our lives, totally awake and going freaking crazy. Yes? We had to walk it, we had to chain it up, we had to try to civilize it, socialize it, we tried to get it self-esteem and everything like that. And very rarely did we get any long-lasting relief from it. And then we get introduced to some principles in life, which we call, for us, it's recovery, many of us, and that dog finally goes to sleep. And when the dog goes to sleep, you sort of have the run of your house again. You can sort of have a life without being enslaved to taking care of that dog. But because of the conditioning that we are built as, we have a certain conditional vision that's built in, maybe a sense of good or bad or this or that, and if it's crossed, it wakes up that dog. So we need, most of us need a way of life that keeps us certain, on a certain like God rails, G-O-D rails, yeah, if you want to use that word, that keeps us in a certain path and we don't cross over. And if we don't cross over, we get to live without the dog being awake. I don't care how clear you are or not. If you cross over, the conditional reaction is going to demand interest and attention. Yeah? And especially if you're someone like me, you're going to have consequences that uh, involve uniform people, yeah? sooner or later. And once you get into that realm, it's like bureaucratic flypaper. You get stuck. So something that maybe upset you three months, you're still paying for it. You still have to go, you still have to see, yeah? And you get engaged in a reality based on that activity. So most of us have that, we've, we've seen the limitations of our conditional vision, yes? That alcoholic vision. You can't be a crazy man, usually, and still have serenity. There's certain rules that you have to live by. They may not be the rules of society, but you have your own rules. Yeah, and if you cross those lines, it's sort of like could lead to an emotional uh, hangover, yes? You lose the sense of emotional sobriety. In other words, the emotions rise up and they start initiating reactions that are so fast you don't have any ability to say anything about it. Yeah? You're just basically at the end of the leash and the dog's just running you around. And then, oh, Jesus Christ... Uh, pay for it to be penned up or groomed or whatever.
whatever. You know, you may have to spend two years in an institution to learn how to behave yourself out here again. <laughs> That's what happened with me. I had to go to Delancey Street for two years because I wasn't civilized. I was like a wild dog. I couldn't live on life's terms. It was just no way. So I had to get beaten and disciplined so, I, so the dog behaved. Yeah? And as long as I followed certain lines, there they were forced on me. Yeah, but then I left there and I found I could live not in an institution. I could live life if I followed the rules of AA. The principles of AA produced the soundness of life that that dog went to sleep and I could become like a free-range alcoholic in a sense. But I can't cross certain lines. Yeah? If I cross certain lines, it wakes up the dog. So here, so this condition, this aspect of being conditioned, one of the, one of the deepest forms of conditioning is you and I believing we're the doer. Yes? So when there's an activity doing is being done, and especially if the mind gives it a lot of meaning. So like if you think it's noble to meditate, and you think it's much more important than, let's say, doing the dishes, that meaning is going to be used to bind you to that act. So while you're doing the act, which is the intent is to free you, the selfing is just knitting another bonding agent. Yes? You're now going to become a meditator. And then suddenly, if you miss a meditation, the mind's interpretation of the day is it sucked based on you missed the meditation. Yet you never had that when you were a kid. I was never thinking the day went bad because I didn't meditate, yeah? <laughs> but now it has another, it's playing God once again with the, with the practices that I thought would free me, because I did this in a way. I practiced meditation and spirituality for years, and I had no idea that all that practice, there was a mental template over it, which was, I was the doer, and I was doing this to get better. And all I got was more of Paul. I got a spiritual Paul instead of an addict Paul. But they were still bonding to self. Yeah? There, still, there was that bondage to self, to idea. As soon as I became a meditator, if I'd be at a meditation and someone meditated longer than me, it was just like someone did a bigger shot than me. It was the same, different rules, but the same game. You know, Seeing my pecking order in this society, spirituality or addiction or whatever. It's all selfing. And I had no idea what was going on, so I practiced diligently for years, you know, meditating quite a lot. And yet, meditation was just another thing my mind obsessed over and used it to become identified as a meditator. And of course, it has a lot of ideas what a meditator is. A meditator is someone who meditates a lot, so if I don't meditate a lot, I'm not a meditator. A meditator has no room to fuck up because you think you're supposedly a saint. <laughs> It's all, like it says in recovery, playing God. Yeah. It's just another form of the mind playing God. So, the, and especially, whatever you think is important, your mind thinks is important, watch out. Because that's a really strong bonding agent. Because when you start thinking, this is much more important than all of that, you're gonna, this, uh, it has like a super glue. <laughs> You know what I mean? When you start doing that, you're going to get bonded to an idea of being the one who's doing it. And it's very difficult to get out of this little dilemma, especially as the doer, because any form of doing is the bonding agent. Yeah. So when you start doing to get out of the doing, that's also a doing. So it's like you can't, it's like a Chinese, one of those thumb things, you can't get out of it. Self can't get out of self. It's so incredible. Every time you try, it's just another form of selfing. Yeah? So now you identify with the person who is in it, then you identify as the person who is out of it. Then you, you identify with the person who is close to it, now you identify as the person who is far away from it. Yeah. <laughs> every, every movement is claimed as you as the mover or the movements being done to you. It's difficult to get out of. It's impossible as a self. Yeah? So the whole point is, like, let's say you think, okay, you, someone points out that the root of the problem is being obsessed with you. Yeah? You're obsessed with the thoughts about you all day. And then, so you, you join a study group to study how to break the obsession with self. Wouldn't that be another form of obsession with self? Trying to get out of self is another form of being obsessed with self. Yeah? Have you ever noticed? I remember when I was macrobiotic, you know, it was a form of eating. My whole universe was in my intestine. All day, my attention was feeling how I was doing it. It was like incredible. My world got so small, and my, all my attention. 
You know, I, I go into a sauna and I couldn't break a sweat. I hadn't drank liquid in about eight months. At 220 degrees, not one bead of sweat would come out of me. I was an extreme acrobat. It was in, it was hell, mental hell. So the whole thing is, there are beautiful things to do. Yes, but all the while there's any doing going on, the mind is writing the story that you're the doer. And it's the doer that bonds you, not so much the doing. Yeah? The doer is what bonds us. Yeah? The sense of being the noun with all the different verbs. Yeah? So it seems like, even like with the idea of problems, there's 40 problems, but the feeling is it's only one you that has the problem. Yeah? And a lot of times we don't see the relationship with this towards those problems. It's a much larger than we think. The one who has the problems is really part and parcel of the bigger problem. Yeah? The one who feels like he has or she has the problems is one of the biggest problems of all that goes unnoticed. We're busy dealing with the problems we think we have, but we never look at who has the problems. Yeah? If it isn't you that has the problems, your relationship will change. Just like, I'm not affected by Peter's problems really that much. Peter can share them with me. I'll have a large amount of wisdom about his problems, probably. Where the same problems, if they're called mine, I may not have any wisdom about them at all. Yeah? It's the, the real problem isn't the problem, it's the mind. It's the M-Y. And that's an act. It's a mental activity. It's not like a tattoo. It's an act. It's a verb. Something. Whatever happens, there's a feeling it's happening to me, or I'm the doer of it. So we talked about it the other day. You have these activities of the body, like, you know, it sounds funny, but, you know, you're not digesting the burrito you ate earlier, yeah? You're not, it's not in a line of, of what needs to be digested by Friday, yeah? You're getting late. What time? Tuesday, right? Oh, you got plenty of time. So it's not like a big lineup. I got the pizza from last week and burritos next, and I'm going to get to it. I'm very busy, but I'll digest it, you know? No, the whole point where we, we give up all control is after it enters the mouth, yeah? As soon as it enters the mouth, we have nothing to do with the digesting of the food, really. Nothing at all. So then the heart, the heart's being pumped. If it was up to us, we'd be dead. Yeah? You would have forgot to pump it. And then one forgetting would be over. Yeah? The blood being moved. Obviously, I'm not pushing the blood from my fingers up here and making sure it goes and then following the course of it. Yes, I'm not doing much at all. And yet, and let's say, okay, and I can't even take a shit when I want to, really. Right? But if I do, so let's say I do take a shit, or the shit comes out of the body, and I look in the toilet bowl, and there's the shit. Now, I can see that it would be logical, with this kind of conditioning, to believe I'm the doer of that, yeah? It was my, seemingly my body, me, sitting on the toilet, and that issued fought out of me. And I look at it, and I'm okay, okay, I, I took the shit, so I'm the shitter, yeah? But then... We have the same stance with thinking, which is much more subtle than the shit. You can't see thoughts, yeah? If I open my head up, I can't say, hey, see the thought I had about Staten Island earlier? You can't see any thoughts they ever had about Staten Island. And they don't weigh anything, yeah? But I still have the same relationship, seemingly, with them. I believe I'm the thinker of them, just like I believe I'm the shitter, yeah? Now, it seems to be insane to believe I'm the thinker of this activity when I can't shit when I want to. I'm not digesting any food. But I actually are in the relationship I'm with I'm in with thoughts is that I'm the doer of them. Yeah? And you cannot believe the different effect a thought has when it's your thought than just a thought. Just a thought, if it can be recognized as let's say it's Patrick's, I have a pretty strong immunity to that thought. No matter how much he talks about it, it doesn't conjure up the same reaction that he's having, let's say, extreme anxiety about that thought. Why? Because it's not my thought. The same exact thought happening here, if held as my thought, will have a similar effect it's having on him. I may have a huge amount of anxiety about what's not happening, and he will have an immunity to mine. Yeah? He has no immunity, so that it's not thought... It's not thoughts that have the power of them, obviously. It's the mind, yeah? The mind is really, is the weight. It's not the thought. Because if, if it was, we'd have the same reactions. Really? If I was saw it as his thought, I'd have the same reactions as if I saw it as my thought. 
if the thought had its inherent reality, and that's what that thought was, let's say a bad thought, it would be bad to everybody. But it isn't bad to everybody. I give it the meaning it has, yeah? So while the thoughts, which are really pretty much interpreting our day, yes, they're informing us what's going on, and actually a very bad information, but they are informing us. We don't have many other stations to, to uh, plug in. It's mostly K-Paul all the time. But basically, it's like Fox. People who listen to certain stations believe things that, to some other people, are totally absurd. But they believe them fervently. They'll even, you know, probably kill someone based on it. But it's totally total propaganda. The whole point is that's what's occurring. And it's not the thoughts that are doing it. It's the my. Because the my is is like <laughs> the mind is like the portal of the self-centered system and the self-centered system is packed with old ideas like it says in recovery and old beliefs and conditioning and what it does is when it claims the thoughts or let's say you can use a feeling just the same way when there's a claiming of the thought and the feeling the conditional system injects the meaning into it with the mind yeah so the thought just brings me, let's say, raw data, but I flavor it, I, I flower it, I, I make it what it is, by what receives it, by what thinks is the thinker of it. What feels it's the thinker of that thought gives it the meaning it has. And I found immunity to thought comes from entertaining and not yours. Yeah? If you can just see a thought, which is the basic fact what's happening, you're seeing a thought. You're actually hearing it also, yeah? It sounds like, sometimes it seems like it's talking to you. But it sounds like you. It sounds like your vocal cords. It's not you, it's from this body. But it also sounds like it's talking to you, doesn't it? Certain thoughts. Don't they? It's like, and if, if, they, if they were you, why would they waste time convincing anyone inside your head? You would just go ahead and do it, yeah? Why, would, why does my mind say, should I go to 7-Eleven? It would just go to the 7-Eleven buy that vodka. Why would there be an argument? Because it's a thought system. A thought system trying to convince, I would say, a nothingness that it's a something, a self. And if you believe this thought system, the A drops off and now you're self. Yeah? Now you're the doer of those thoughts. And my system has tons of opinions about some of those thoughts. That when they're mine, they're bad thoughts. Yes? Or they really sound true. And they take me away. They take me away, not literally, but they take me away in, with my attention and interest, and I go into what's not happening. My mind, my mind, my attention and interest travel into time, a made-up time. They go f into the past, and they go into a future. And so most of my reactions right now in life are to what's not happening. I'm sitting here, and most people who are feeling, let's say, deep anxiety right now are in a complete reaction to what's happening, because there's no threat right now in this room. You may not like what's happening, or, but there's no threat, yes? There's nothing to uh, evoke fear except the mental anxiety. Yeah? And if you see that what the thoughts are about is not happening, if you could see that, you would have immunity to it. Why? Because it's not happening. Yeah? It would be immediate dismissal from that activity. Even though it seems like you went a long way, like you're thinking about next week, and you seem to have really been conveyed over to next week, you haven't. Or if, if you just entertain, that's not happening, you're right where you were at the moment you were thinking you were over there. Yeah? So it takes no time to get back to right where you were. And it's a very easy thing to use almost like a ruler. Yeah? The thoughts are happening, but what they're about isn't happening. Yes? The thought is happening. There's a seeing of a thought, but the mind is injecting it with ideas. What happens is you start, the mind starts thinking about something now, and then it moves it into the future and makes it a future thing, and then it thinks a lot about it, yeah? with the hopes that it could manage it out of it ever happening. But the fact is, it's never happened yet. That's the solution. It's so immediate that there's nothing to do. There's just a recognition it's not happening. 
And the beautiful thing is, right at this moment, you have the constant verification of something. Yeah? It's called what's happening. And it has a quality. What's not happening does not have. It's actually happening. And that one quality can overwhelm all the possibility, because anything can happen in what's not happening. But the one quality of actually being what's happening overrides all of the possibilities. All the possibilities. So you get located right where you are. And it takes no time to get back because you've never left. And so on and on, you entertain it, and more and more, something comes over us that you've never gone anywhere. Yes? That if you had a camera of wherever you thought you were, or wherever you were physically, you would be there that day at that time. Now, you may not have thought you were there in mind, but in fact, you were there as this, yes? This is the anchor to what's happening, yeah? is the body. It can also be the fixation that the conditional mind thinks about. Yeah? Because if you know, the thought system that we're identified with takes you to be a body. Yeah? When it thinks about you in the past, it projects you as a body. That's how you feel you are when you're thinking, isn't it? When your mind goes back into the past and starts thinking about you, what is that you that it thinks about? A body. And when it's worrying about you, and that something's going to happen to you in the future, that you is represented by what? A body. So the thought system that we're relying on, which in recovery is clearly stated, it's unreliable, which is self-reliance. So self, the system of self, is unreliable. Its basis, how it casts us to be, is a body. That's how it casts us to be. So if we're relying on that thought system for our own sense of what we are, the sense of what we are will be cast as a body. So if you have no immunity to the thought system, there's going to be an identification as the body. Yes? Because that narrative all day is setting a trance. It's like talking about you as if you're a body, that you're going to be a body, that you were a body, that they're a body, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Yes? So the thinking system can't get out of the thinking system. Because the thinking system is defined by a center, and the center is self, the idea of being a body. So how can you use the problem to get to the solution? The solution is realizing you're not the problem. If you're not the center of the system, the system starts to collapse. It may happen fast, it may happen slow, but the amount of, let's say, space that you call life, that it's occupying, will diminish. And it's, it, the, uh, the shrinking of its empire is the feeling of space in your life. You're reclaiming like your life. It's like a constant reclaiming, and there's a feeling, for me, it's the feeling of traveling lighter. As the reclamation occurs, there's a traveling lighter. What was forgotten or given away freely in the slavery is brought back, yes? Your attention and interest gets freed from the slavery of the system. How many times would you have liked to go to sleep at night when that system just keeps representing an incident of the day, and you seem to be locked or shackled in a chair in that porno theater watching life as it does Paul or as Paul does life, you know, like Debbie does Dallas, you know, just watching over and over, and you'd love to pull your attention in just away, but you're powerless. It's bonded to that because it's presented as you. And there's a keen interest in whatever the system presents to be you. Yeah? Because truly when the attention is freed up from that, the attention and interest is in what you really are, which can't be defined. So your attention and interest gets freed up. Instead of having that tunnel vision from the black hole back to the black hole of selfing, it opens up. It's like illumination. And in that illumination, you just travel lighter. I mean, to me, the only answer to dissatisfaction is satisfaction all the philosophies to say that, oh, you don't need to be satisfied, they don't hold water, really. When you actually start feeling, like you were talking about the other day, the absence of fear in one's life, or the basis of fear has been shifted, so it's not there anymore for you, there's an incredible traveling lighter, yes? 
The only dilemma with any of that is if the system hasn't been seen, the system will identify with the one who travels lighter. So the traveling lighter, which brings a certain amount of freedom, in time can be used as a form of slavery. That's what it does all the time. And so let's say you have a, one of those mythical moments, it will it'll memorialize that moment and put it on a special man- mantle and maybe live its rest of life to get there, but the whole purpose is not to get there. Yeah, The whole purpose is to be a someone who once had this incredible event but doesn't seem to have any way to get back to it. Because obviously you can't get back to your own absence. Selfing cannot get back to its absence. And to highest, let's say, an epiphany or whatever you want to call it, those moments when there's a sense of real freedom is really the absence of you as the preoccupying doer and haver, yes? The one who wants to claim the freedom. Once the freedom is claimed, the freedom is used to bond you, yeah? Haven't you noticed? A lot of people are totally flipped out because they had a great experience spiritually. And it seems like they've never had it again. And their whole life is about never having it again. They would have been, in a sense, much better off if they never seemed to have had it. But because something occurred and the mind claimed it, that mind claiming it causes it to be used to bond you. Especially if you get a real nice free sample, it can drive you freaking crazy. Because then you think... If only that would happen again. And then really, the, the idea of if only that would happen again, the real reality for you is, but it isn't happening. <laughs> so you feel the shit of it isn't happening with the hope if only it would happen again. Yeah. What's always so has been made an experience that will never happen again. <laughs> I couldn't, when, that's hap- when I saw that, it flipped me out. Because I really thought, you know, that if I did enough meditation, something would flip over. But the, 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 the tenacity of the system to claim whatever arises and make it an experience that it has is very, very strong. It can take a miracle. It can take an a, apocalyptic absence of itself and call it an experience very quickly thereafter. So I always found, when I learned this stuff, when someone invited to me, it really was helpful because I could see Things I was seeing from just a minute before. Someone would share something, I'd be sitting in the talk, and I'd be suddenly, like the lens that I thought was, this was, this was me, you know, this was the truth, the lens would suddenly go, and then what I thought was the truth was in front of the lens. <laughs> and every time I looked back, there was no way I could ever get behind the lens. Yeah? There is no authentic self. All this is, is constantly appearing, and appearing, and appearing. But what I am is the seeing of every appearance, every gyration, every thought that wanted to be avoided or wanted not to be seen, but the seeing was there. I am that incessant seeing, not what's being seen. And I I mean in the subtlest levels, seeing thoughts and feelings is much more subtle than seeing a shit in the toilet bowl. But they're still things, yes? But what sees it? There's no way I can ever see that. There's no way I could become the subject and see that as an object. And that's what I feel a lot of times when there's that identification as the doer with the idea of of God, we try to make God an object to us as the subject. Like, I, I as the subject, I'm going to know God. Well, in fact, or like a lot of times in recovery meetings where I live, people go, do you have a God? Do you have a God? Do you have a God? But my feeling would, I'd much rather have God have me. Yeah? If I have a God, I'm not going to have it a lot. <laughs> I'm going to make reasons why I don't have it today, because somehow I did something that caused me not to be able to have it. I take so many freaking requirements on it, it would be basically the most infrequent thing of all. But if God has me, that can be 24-7, yeah? And like in recovery, it says, you know, a God of our own understanding. I don't want to have a God of our own understanding. I want a God of its own understanding. Yeah? My understanding will only limit God's effect in life. It will. Because selfing will be playing the bigger God. Yeah? But when I can surrender and open up to finding out what God imagines me to be, instead of me knowing what God is, to find out what God imagines me to be during the day, that is cool, man. Because <laughs> you'll be constantly surprised 
because the limits, there's so much structure upon structure on st- structure, the self thing is playing God all day. And that's the how and why of our whole recovery program, is to quit playing God. It is unbelievable if you get to see just a little bit of the playing of God. I mean, it plays God with God all the time. It seems to be up to you to know God, yeah? I would say you're the bigger God in that situation. If God was this all-powerful thing, why does it take you having to decide to know it, to know it? (laughs) I would think that it would be very, very impressing itself on us all day. Yes? In other words, it was like kissing our cheek every second. The invitation was always available. It's an open secret. It's a gateless gate. Yeah? It's trying to get our attention (laughs) constantly. (laughs) But we want to be in a position of knowing God. As soon as we make God an object, it doesn't seem to be so. eh? It's a trick of mind. It's beautiful. It takes pure subjectivity, makes it an object, and then you as a subject cannot know that object. Yeah. You have to see mind. There's, there's some definitions here in the dreaming. There are some grooves you can't break, and one of them is duality, yes? And one of them is the act of duality, which is dualism, which is dualism is you're the subject, and everything else is an object to you. You're the subject, and everything else is an object to you. So in this condition, if I believe I'm this, then God becomes an object. If I believe I'm this, enlightenment is an object. They're all concepts. They're all, all ideas and all opinions from the system of self-centeredness. So the system is playing God with the t- term enlightenment and awakening and this and that. And it tells you how you're doing, doesn't it? When you're in the process of, quote, quote knowing God, who tells you how, how you're doing? Yes, the head's telling you, right? It's like that game you used to play when we were kids. They'd hide something in the yard and then... They'd send you out, and you'd be looking, and they, someone would be going, you're getting warmer, you're getting warmer, and everyone gets excited, and you're getting really warm, and so you're cold. <laughs> you never find it. <laughs> because what's looking is what you're looking for. It's the, high, it's the best way of all time to hide what's looking from the you that's looking for. In the process of looking for as a you, what's looking is forgotten, Yes? The act of seeing is so obvious we miss it because we're in a form of looking called self-centeredness, which is just a bastardization of seeing. Seeing is occurring, and the mental interpretation of self-centeredness is a form of looking which claims the seeing. So seeing is now called looking. So what's, what's actually seeing is what we're looking for. The looking for has a direction and a focus from self, and therefore you don't see the what's seeing, which is in the looking for. Every moment I'm looking for is what's seeing. Every moment I'm looking for is what's seeing. It's not when I'm at the retreat, or I'm at the ayahuasca place, or this and that. All those things have availability. But the what's seeing is always right underneath the mental interpretation of all the looking for. It's always available at all times with no requirement necessary. It's just the seeing unadorned by the looking. Yeah? And what I do is I don't try from the looking to try to start seeing. That would be selfing again. You just tell the truth about the looking and not seeing. Yeah? So you short-circuit the claiming of activities. You short-circuit being the doer. Because if you believe you have something, you believe you can lose it. So this message short-circuits all that. Because it's not about you. You don't have it, therefore you can't lose it. Yeah, You're not the one that it's based on, therefore it doesn't play by your rules. In other words, it's not based in time. Its accessibility isn't based on what you do or someone does for you. It's always available at all times. I'm not saying you're accessing it as that, but that's its potential. It's always available at all times. Yeah? It's not in space, so it's not where you're not. It's not located somewhere you have to go to. And there's no procedure you have to take to get there, because it's everywhere. And it's not going to take any time to realize it, because it's timeless. It's prior to this place of time. And it's always available, and it's demonstrating right now in seeing. 
We're calling it looking, because I believe it's Paul that's looking. That's the form of the system called selfing, but it's actually seeing. Everyone here is seeing right now. Yeah? Let's say I'm the object you're seeing, yes? And you believe you're the seer, let's say. Maybe you don't believe, but let's say you believe you're the seer, so you're making another object be the subject. But what's happening for all these objects, subjectivity, I mean subjectivity without an object, just I would call it God or consciousness or Buddha nature, whatever you want to call it. That's what's seen. Yeah? Every, everyone would say the same thing about the event. I'm seeing right now. I'm seeing. I'm going to use the word I, not to represent you, but to represent spirit, yes? So I'm seeing, every one of us, I'm seeing. That's the only experience going on here. Now, if I ask myself, yes, who's seeing, the mental process will say it's me, basically. Now, this is where something occurs. The eye is seeing, that's the activity of conscious contact, but the mental process, if asked, who's seeing, it doesn't even have to be asked anymore because it has an answer, it's me. The me, hopefully you can get this, I hope you, for me, the me is another you. In other words, what I'm calling me is just an identified you. Without it being identified as me, the way you see me is you. Yeah? Yeah? Just like I see you as a you, you see this as a you. The only thing here, there's the mental process, this you is me. <laughs> and then this me claims the scene. Yeah? It's just, it claims the activity of conscious contact. And it gets to be a habit where you don't notice it every time because it's in place. So immediately, you ask yourself, who am I? It will say me. And that me is a you. Yeah, it's just an object, a body. I think it's me, this body, because I'm identified as it. Yeah? So I'm taking, I'm claiming the seeing and giving it over to this as the seer. Yeah? I'm, I'm christening this as the seer instead of noticing the seeing. Yeah? I'm christening the seeing, the mind is claiming the seeing and making it a noun. I'm the seer. I'm the hearer. I'm the feeler. And yet it's constantly under dispute all day because you'll have a feeling that's noted and then your head will go, I didn't want to feel that. But it's already been felt. The conscious contact is first. Yeah? And then the mental process comes secondary. And so the second, the secondary aspect can't change the first contact but it interprets it, and it uses it for its own little activity. Yeah? It can't get rid of the seeing, but it calls it looking. It, makes, it, 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 it takes away God, and it replaces God with you, the body. So now I'm, this is the ultimate of playing God, which is claiming the activity of life, which is being. Yeah? Through conscious contact, the mental process claims it as I'm the one who's being. You can, it's what a leap. It's incredible. And that binds you, yeah? Using conscious contact, using the activity of living to actually be dead. Yeah? To be dead to the spirit by being totally present to the self. And really, in a sense, we're like a death cult. We're worshiping death, yeah? And we're shitty, we're super afraid of life. We're super afraid when something occurs when there's going to be an absence of self, which is actually the, the death in time, and we're afraid of life. We're petrified of it. We never want to think about it. Yeah? But it's like a death cult. It's like we're on, we're like on in vertical coffins in a way, with wheels, and we're rolling around, and we're so worried about dying, but that's the act of death. <laughs> Because we're dead to, quote-unquote, the spirit, which is an activity. You obviously can't be dead to spirit, but you can act as if you're dead to spirit. Yeah. So, for me, it was like recognizing, just starting to entertain, I may not be that. First, the my thoughts were held as alcoholic thoughts, and I got a little relief. Then I realized even the alcoholics weren't my thoughts either, because I'm not an alcoholic. It's alcoholism, but I'm not an alcoholic. The verb of alcoholism does not make me a noun that I'm an alcoholic. It's just, I'm a carrier of the verb of alcoholism. But it doesn't make me a noun. I'm not an alcoholic, in a sense, yeah? I have alcoholism, let's say, is happening. But it doesn't, to me, the selfie makes me what the verb implies. 
I am an alcoholic, and then you get bonded to that I, at that identity. And you don't think your mind doesn't come up with old ideas about being an alcoholic as soon as you enter recovery? When I, in, in, when I entered a spiritual group when I was young, I had never had any contact with any spiritual groups. When I entered this thing with a guru, I had thousands of ideas of what it meant to be spiritual. I didn't, never got them from Long Island. I didn't get them from my upbringing. But I had thousands of them just ready and waiting when I got into a contact with that type of activity. As soon as I met a teacher, I had thousands of ideas how he should be. <laughs> and I had millions of ideas how I should be in relation to the teacher. And it drove me freaking fucking crazy. Where did I get them? The mind comes up with it. It's got a vast, vast, vast memory bank and library that's not just your conditioning, it's collected to the conditioning. It can come up with tons of family of origin problems. If you get rid of all your family of origins here, it'll be the Martian family of origins. It will produce new, deep-rooted historical problems. Like that. Split second. It can create a neurosis in a second. It causes you to feel historical every time it arises, doesn't it? You don't think it can create an obsession that you once had when you were younger? Oh, easily. Fixate on anything. Yeah. It's done according to, to your belief, yes? So, unbelievable. When there's an identification, this system identifies and claims any aspect of life. It downloads tons of old ideas about that. And that's what you end up being in relationship with. Is your old ideas. Women, men, money, this and that. It's Money and men and women don't have an inherent meaning. We give it all the meaning it has. They're like, everyone's like these, these screens or, uh, yeah, like a movie screen. And then the mind projects the movie. And then we think it's a real documentary about actually what's really going on. We're totally in cahoots with it mind is just pouring out projections and then we perceive them to be real and solid. And we take it to be so. <laughs> so I don't know. What occurs is it's like there's so many, actually your actual state is the absence of self. That's actually the state here. It's just a mental appearance that has captured our attention and interest. You're not totally preoccupied by my presence of self. Are you? Not at all. I'll be leaving here and you won't even think of me, probably. So you have absolutely no draw to be preoccupied with my presence of self. Yes? But truly what I am is an absence of that. Yeah? It only seems present to me because my interest and attention is into it. Because I believe it's about me. Yeah? If I could see it, it wasn't about me, what would happen? My interest and attention would leave. You would leave this thing that seems to bind you so much if you entertained it wasn't you. If you could get a glimpse that it's not you, you'd have a, a freedom that it would take 30 years to try to produce by some activity. You'd have a freedom from it because it's your interest and attention that is the glue or the bonding agent. When that lifts, you're freed. Actually, you realize you were never bound, but that's the sense of freedom here. It's Realizing you were never bound is what I would call being freed here. Yeah. But it's not being freed, it's you were never bound. It's just an activity of mind that has your attention and interest. So all your attention and interest is wed to that idea of being a self, and it's not open to picking up any other stuff. Yeah. And if you entertain anything here, which you have the ability to entertain quite a lot, your mind, you entertain it as a self, which limits your entertainment. In other words, you can only entertain. Let's, that's why people, you listen to them when they're talking. They'll say, I will be okay. They're never really saying there's a sense of okayness now that, that's available. It's always, I will be okay later. So the reality is I'm not okay most of the time. But the hope in that not okayness, which is I will be later, that's a form of slavery, isn't it? So you have the yoke of not okayness with this carrot of hope that you will be okay. <sighs> but if you looked at it from above, most of the time you're spent is in not okayness. With every once in a while you get some relief. Yeah? Because the okayness has become an, an object to you as a subject in time that you're going to do or someone's going to do something for you that will make you okay. If that happens, you'll be unokay. 
because they'll stop doing it, or you'll stop doing it. Yeah? But the sense of okayness is totally different. You travel with a sense of okayness. It's not based on anything, truly. It's like a quantum leap from having certain conditions produced by activities to some unconditional states that are always available at all times. Yeah. It's a real big leap in a way to have conditional effects based on what I do and have or others do and have for me or against me and have thousands of those arise, thousands of mental and emotional states go through them but they're all pictured in a framework of self-centeredness, all of them. The frame defines all of them. All the mental states that are arising for most people are framed by self-centeredness. Yeah? Or I can entertain I'm not that frame, which brings me to another level. Instead of, instead of let's say, like having to do something to get out of self, to feel like bigger and more available, and then sense a higher power, what we call a higher power's presence, I can actually entertain on the presence which causes me to be always available, yes, because I'm present, which makes me of service. So on one view, I'm something that's not of service. I have to do service to get out of something. When I do get to do service, I feel available and I feel present only for the system to claim it as the one who did it, which puts me back into the lack of that presence, yes? And then maybe I got to do something again to get us an experience of the presence. Instead of this way, recognizing you are the presence, which means that's always so at all times. <laughs> it's such a different ball game. It's like totally just like not even there's nothing to compare with. One is a, 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 a an affected condition produced by doing and having, and the other is a conditionless state that's not produced by anything. Therefore, it can't be unproduced. I can entertain both. Yeah? If in self-centeredness it's entertaining the one, if it entertains it's not that, it can entertain the other. The mind can entertain unbelievable possibilities, but if it's saddled with an idea of what it is, all of its entertaining gets defined by that. So selfing all of its solutions are time-based, yeah? Based on something being done. So you become gods, basically. So you have to do something to have an effect. This is not about that. It's not about producing an effect. It's about realizing something is there that's always so, that's unproduced. Therefore, you can't not, you can't fuck it up. That's the good news, yeah? If it's up to me, I'll put too many requirements on my own freedom. I will. I'll, like, set up a whole bunch of hurdles and hoops, and I'll be the one who judges how I'm doing. Or maybe I'll find a pseudo- authority like a teacher or something who will end up hating anyway. I'll resent the fuck out of them. Yeah? And I'll always end up being my own authority anyway. I don't care how much you love the teacher. If they show up and they tell you there's nothing you ever needed to do, there's nothing you ever need to do, and there's nothing you'll ever need to do, you'll probably go home in a few hours and start meditating again. Start doing something. Because you really don't believe anyone. This thing's playing God. Yeah? Big time playing God got to be fired because it doesn't work. How can you? If you're relying on the system that is playing God, any f way of any form of trying to get out of it would be a form of playing God. You have to entertain, maybe I'm not the center of the system. Maybe I'm not a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. Maybe I'm what sees instead of what's claiming to be the seer. Maybe I'm just the act of seeing. Maybe there is no noun here. Maybe there is no seer. Yeah? Maybe there is no doer, there's just lots of doing. Maybe there is no no happening done to anyone, maybe it's just happening. Maybe. Yeah? Like Buddha said, maybe when you see, see. When you hear, hear. When you feel, feel. When you taste, taste. When you touch, touch. Instead of immediately being out of consciousness about that, and immediately the mental interpretation is, I saw this. I heard that. I felt this, yes, I thought this, and then as soon as it claims the conscious contact, it selfs all over it. You think about what you saw, you go over what you did, you go over what you felt, and you try to find, what's, why did I feel this? 
and on and on. It's just selfing. Yeah, it's just self trying to know self. There's no freedom in that. What do you think it's going to do when you understand, oh, now I realize how I was. This was the cause. There'll be another cause a few years later. It'll morph into a whole other thing. <laughs> you know, it likes to be cut down. It grows more like a forest. The more you work at cutting it down and manicuring it, it just gets more and more bushy. Yeah. <laughs> it's losing interest. Not refining the interest, it's losing interest in it. It doesn't mean you lose interest, just in that. You lose interest in the selfing, and there won't be a feeling of being a self. It's the selfing that manufactures the feeling of being a self. It is the selfing that manufactures the feeling of being a self. It's the selfing. And what's causing it to manufacture that feeling is your interest and attention. It doesn't have a self-fulfilling energy source. It's your interest and attention. It's the believing of it that it's about me that illuminates it. Yeah? We're just going to plug the energy source and just say, I'm not that, and then you'll see what happens. What was technicolor becomes black and white. After a while, it becomes grainy. It comes, you don't see it clearly anymore. And it sort of just moves. A lot of stuff moves to the background. And then what you, did, what you call nothing moves to the foreground. And your attention and interest is like on something called no-thingness, really. It's not on, it touches and dances with the objects that arise, but it's beholden to what's no-thing. Yeah? It's beholden to what's no-thing. It's not wed to what's a thing a body, but it's beholden to what's no thing, which I believe is spirit. And then you'll see, you'll find out how it feels. For me, why do I come here for? It's because I'm motivated because it works. It's like when I was a kid I saw a good movie. I wanted to tell people about the good movie. It's just a natural reaction I have. So when something, just like AA, I have an incredible love for AA because it took me out of a mental hell. So I feel like I can say, hey, bro, you seem to be in this mental hell I was in. You know, the 33 bus stops here. So if you want out of hell, you seem to be talking like you want out of hell. Let's see if you really do want out of hell. Here it comes. Get on the bus when it shows up. Prove to yourself where you're at instead of yapping, yapping, yapping. So the same thing with this. There I thought I had Phil, you know, AA was going to be my life, and then I got injected with this information. <laughs> Jesus! And it became the last answer. I haven't gotten to do one in I don't know how many years now. So I feel pretty sure at the moment that it's probably the last one. Yeah? And then we have the functioning. I don't, you know, you know, for you, I don't know. For us, we needed a certain way of living because... Without the certain way of living, the dog is apt to wake up. And we have a very strong uh, form of selfing, an extreme version of selfing. So we need to make sure the dog is sort of pacified or asleep, yes? And yet, the functioning that's provided by our program, yeah, is very sound. And all, we're, all I'm finding out is this shoots up a lot more wattage into it. It illuminates it more. In other words, the... Uh, the tree is, is, is from AA, the, f- the ground that the tree is growing in, but the lights that are on it, yeah, that really light up the tree, to me, is this message. It's like a deeper echo of the principles that I was hearing in AA. It came from way far beyond the principles, though so the principles are a perfect portal for it. But it's like an incredible source of light, yeah? It illuminates, so it illuminates the functioning, and it produces an effect that the fu- functioning offers, but usually doesn't uh, appear to deliver when it's when the root of the problem is seen as obsession. But it does seem to deliver it if the root of the problem is seen as identification. Yeah, it seems to light it up. The system of AA clearer and brighter for me than it was when I was looking at it from the form of obsession as the root. Yeah. So to me, you know the tree by the fruit. You know the problem by the solution. You really know what the problem was when you're freed from it. When you can, when your seeing is not captured by that form of looking, the seeing can see the forms of looking. It can see all the different glasses we put on to try to correct that initial pair of glasses, the alcoholism. 
and you can see the ones that are worth, worthwhile, but the true ones that are really worthwhile tend to actually become obsolete because they bring you to the point of entertaining seeing, yeah? natural seeing. It doesn't mean whatever you may have an idea of obsolete means. It means it's obsolete. In other words, it's done what it was meant to do. It's brought about a freedom that was always available. It brought you to become aware of an always available freedom. Yeah. So we have already a pair of sound glasses, but the seeing, yeah, people think they stop at the second or the first pair of glasses. There's, they, all of them can be taken off because there's a natural seeing. Yeah. experiences. Hopefully, if it's an experience has a certain potency, it will allow you to entertain states, yeah? States of mind, not experiences. Yeah. You know, a state is a more, let's say, um, well, it's just a different flavor than an experience. Like, for me, this message isn't about an experience. What it does is it it uh, it inf- it, it uh, illuminates a lot of experiences. Its effect is on what thinks it's having an experience. Not it doesn't have it doesn't make an experience, but it, uh, it, let's say it changes the experiencer. Which I like it because that's a much more long-lasting effect. Experiences for me come and go, no matter how profound they are. They have to because they're experiences. All experiences come and go. Yeah. But what you are isn't an experience. You can't experience it. But it can influence all your experiences here. So to me it's like a form of traveling lighter while you're having experiences. Yeah. But it's not an experience. Yeah. So it's not. It's more of a state. I don't know how to put it, but it's sort of what you are all the time with experiences happening. Yeah, so. But you'll hear in your own spiritual world being and having, having human episodes. Yeah. And you talk about the uh, you are fielding questions or comments. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah, last week I heard you know, for the next couple of days and it felt really good, you know, and then just the system of self centeredness came back again. And it's completely debilitating, leading to depression. Leading to my thoughts, I think I own it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you call it the system of self centeredness uh, and, and the system of self. And as you know, Bill W. suggests the destruction thereof. Okay. How does that happen? Well, with this, for me, it's not a destruction of it, okay. it's a recognition it's not so. Okay. It's a different type of destruction. Because it can't create anything, it makes something, it makes an appearance. Yeah, it's sort of like, let's say, if the mind, if you ever see helicopters when the blade's going really fast, if you look at it, it looks like a solid thing, but it isn't, it's a movement, it's a verb, but it takes an appearance of being a noun, yeah? So selfing is like that, selfing is like the mental process going like this, and yet, to your mind's eye, it appears to be you. Yeah? It appears to be a solid. So when your mind's eye reflects, it reflects you as this. Yeah, But it's an illusion. The selfing is going, selfing, the mental process is going, and it appears to your mind, which has an ability to reflect that it's a solid thing. Yeah, So it takes that solid thing as itself. But it's produced by selfing. Yeah? It can't be made, it can't be created, but it's produced like an appearance. So the point I find is if you can throw a wrench in the selfing, 
it stops the illusion of being a noun. Yeah? And while that illusion is stopped, something continues. And if you have enough free samples, there'll be a feeling of what's that which continues when, quote-unquote, I stop. Yeah? Yeah? What's that which continues when, quote-unquote, I stop? Because how could my life continue if I stopped? <laughs> if I'm the liver of the life, if I stopped, it should stop. But you'll see, I stops, but life continues. Yeah? Something sees it. Yeah. I would say the seeing is what we are, not what's being seen. Yeah. about immunity. Explain that again. Immunity to thought, where the thoughts don't grab your attention and interest anymore. There's a seeing of them, but there's not. They don't grab your attention and interest, and then they make. Because it's your attention and interest that fuels the the, the prop. Yeah. It's your attention interest, your ability to entertain. You can entertain what's not happening, which is an incredible miracle. I mean, in the old days with Jesus Christ, they said that he brought this man to life who had, been, who had died, Lazarus, right? He went to the cave and said, Lazarus, come back. And then Lazarus stood up and lived again. And that was a miracle. But we're bringing things that aren't happening into existence, in a sense. We're, we're giving... We're, we're thinking, we're thinking, not we, but the system is thinking about something that's actually not happening, but it can produce an effect now by thinking about it. So you will have anxiety now based on something that's actually not happening. That's an incredible miracle, in a way. You're producing an effect from nothing. Yeah? But the effect it produces, its miracle working, is usually anxiety, nervousness, depression. You know? It sort of likes that, I guess, because it likes to entertain bad things are going to happen to you. And you can't even enjoy when it's good because you believe it's going to maybe get bad. <laughs> so you can't even enjoy when it's okay because you have the idea that it may not be okay. <laughs> so how can you really enjoy anything with that idea of, well, it may not be okay tomorrow, hovering over you? You'll enjoy it like a rat, you know? You'll try to get as much as you can, selfish, self-centered, yeah? Because you have a feeling it's not going to be available, don't you? Oh yeah, because you're God, man. You don't, you don't really, after being the recipient of that God play, you're not really expecting much yeah, in the way of good. <laughs> you know, are you? I wasn't. My day was scary as hell if I thought I was going to manage it. At the end, I was scared shit about what my mind was going to come up with that day because I've had some horrendous consequences <laughs> out there and I never knew what it had in store for me. So, man, I was in a, like, a lot of anxiety about what hadn't happened yet. <laughs> yeah, really. And when I went to think about it, it went to the past when it w did happen. And I was, in, I was like stuck between a rock and a hard place, relying totally on what was unreliable. Yeah? So my best thing was try to avoid it at all costs. You know? Run as fast as I could, get, keep getting high until I got caught and institutionalized and jailed and then died. That's what was basically going on. I thought I sort of accepted that as my lot in life. So, so let's get another shot. Because, you know, I was, sooner or later, you know, I was going to end up in another institution. I'd spent two years and three months in programs already, jails a number of times, and I'd been dead a few times. So what else could I expect? And I didn't see it changing. I mean... I thought whatever hope I had that it was going to change had been beaten out of me. I was just, I really accepted in a weird way my fate. I thought I was just going to be, you know, a junkie and sort of die when I died. You know, what can you do? And yet, I had a, you know, in this little apparatus story, I had one of those moments of clarities and, you know, the portal wasn't open long. It was only about five minutes. Something like the selfing stopped. This is in hindsight, but something stopped. And I had never felt it stopped. I had it. It always had been seeking and controlling and playing God. It stopped. And then something came in. And it was like a moment of clarity. And I saw that I was screwed. You know, I saw that it, the, the gig was up, basically. 
I mean, it was done. And I mean a bottom, with not like thinking you were in a bottom, but all of what you thought you were was in the bottom. There was no one out looking at it and thinking, oh, no, there was complete submersion in the story. And, and it just collapsed, the whole system, for five minutes. And when I came back, man, I was sober. I didn't want to drink anymore. And I called, made some phone calls, and it didn't last. An hour and a half later, I wanted to get loaded again. But something came through that portal that set off trains of circumstances that brought me to my first meeting the next day. And I've been sober and clean ever since. So in five minutes of that forcing, quote-unquote, self on me, on my life, produced a solution that's lasted for 23 years. Jesus Christ, can you imagine if you would turn towards it and look at the portal instead of just be an unknowing recipient of it occasionally? <laughs> I would say, yes, I would call that God. Yeah. yeah. So, changed everything. Yes. Were you, like, ever against meditating? Like, yes. Like, like, people gave you Today. advice to meditate, and you're just like, no, I don't want to, no way, I don't want to. Like, were you ever in that point of your life, and then why did you start meditating? Oh, I, I have, like, a mother who's, like, totally, completely experienced that. 